OSL is the leading distributor of radiotherapy patient positioning equipment and physics QA products for the UK and Ireland, supplying both the NHS and private sectors. We currently have a busy event schedule and will be attending many conferences in the next few months and many of the regional study days. For a full list of where to meet us, please do get in touch. As well as our event schedule, we also have a busy product portfolio that has recently been updated to. This includes Sky Factory for state-of-the-art visual LED lighting. We have MyQA Ion and Ion RT from IBA for automated patient-specific QA for photon, electron and proton radiotherapy. And we also have MR Box from our AI suppliers at Therapanacea, allowing AI-powered MR-only workflows for a more consistent and high-quality planning pathway. For SGRT, we have a vast range of open-faced thermoplastic masks, as well as surface-guided compatible clear bolus from ClearSight, preventing any risk of interference between the skin surface and your SGRT solution. And as always, do not hesitate to get in touch to discuss your product and service requirements with our friendly and knowledgeable team. Our account and clinical specialists are from a radiotherapy and physics background, and we are more than happy to chat about the clinical benefits and the workflow of all of our products. Everyone and welcome to Rad Chat, the multi-award winning therapeutic radiographer-led oncology podcast. My name is Joe McNamara and I'm joined by fellow host number Joel Anderson. Hi everyone. So we're here at UKIO. We have, da da da, drum roll, a physicist. <laughs> Woo! Would you like to introduce yourself? Uh, yeah, I'm Rob Richardson and I'm a principal physicist working in central London. Amazing. So there will be people out there who go... What's a physicist doing at a radiography, radiotherapy, oncology style um, conference? And obviously, we know that your role is truly essential to more or less everything we do. But for anyone who doesn't realise, can you explain a little bit about your role? Yes, I suppose uh, from a physics perspective, our job is very much all the background stuff. Um, We kind of join the dots, I kind of think about. I'm talking about physics with our planning team because you have the oncologists, you see the patients and they prescribe and you have the radiography team who deliver the treatment and the engineers who look after the machines and we're the kind of common thread between the three that kind of deal with all of those stuff so we're kind of more scientific support but joining those those bits together. Scientific support. Have you practiced that? You can tell I've been on a leadership management (laughs) course I think that shines through. (laughs) What got you into physics? I'll be completely honest with you, I fell into this profession completely by accident. <laughs> Everyone says that. Um, so that. I actually wanted to be a doctor, so I did the classic biology, physics, chemistry uh, A-level. I may not have quite got the grades to go to medical school, so I thought, well, what do I enjoy? Out of my three A-levels, physics was the one that I was most interested in. Um, so I did that, went off to uni to do my degree in physics. I was doing pure physics, and then actually my local head of radiotherapy physics, the local hospital in Hull came and gave us a talk right. and I thought that sounds kind of interesting. Um, he did sell it quite well in that I didn't have to do some of the solid state modules, I was like, <laughs> sign me up for that. Um, did the change my degree to physics with medical technology and then graduated and thought this is something I kind of want to keep going with. It's better than being in a lab, better than just sat at a computer all day doing simulations and was lucky enough to get on the training scheme is super oversubscribed, so very happy about that. And then Which just seems bizarre because there through. is a national shortage, isn't there? Of physics There's a lot of people want to do it. Right, okay. There's not enough places funded to do it, unfortunately. Right, okay. Um, so, yeah, we, we're, I think we're 
well, when I was doing it, it was three to four people per place. I think it's even worse now. Um, yeah. And then, yeah, just progressed through, moved from Hull down to London to try something new and moved around the London centres a little bit. Um, but yeah, that's how I fell into it. So it was never intentional. I wanted to be the oncologist, not the <laughs> physicist, but here I am. Do you regret your decision? Not at all. <laughs> Looking at their workloads and what they have to go through in just in from the radiotherapy perspective, I'm, I'm quite happy in my little physics role. Um, it's a shame we don't get as much patient contact. Normally when we appear around a patient, it's because something's gone wrong, the machine's yeah. gone down or a shape change or something like that. Um, so it would be nice to kind of be there for good things, yeah. but I'm quite happy with it. And I think I work in a centre where there's quite a lot joined up between the kind of radiography, the oncology, the physics, so I do get to go down a lot more in positive circumstances than just, oh, it's broken again, I've got a yeah. prostate patient struggling. Um, so yeah, that's how I got into physics. Can I ask, in terms of like the role of technology, software, adaptive radiotherapy, yeah. There is looking like there'll be more of an integrated approach to physics, dosimetry. Yeah, I Can mean, you see your scope of practice Looking around changing? here, half the stalls are AI, AI, AI. Yeah. Um, it is a huge thing that's coming. But it actually leads to an interesting kind of dichotomy in that it's going to take away our work, which is good. It makes yeah. it more consistent, more kind of, I would say more safe, but more less variable yeah, yeah. Um, and quicker and more efficient. But then you have all this skill set that's needed to support that. So then it creates another workload, and that's the clinical scientific computing, which is, if you think physics and radiography are understaffed, that is a, a workforce that has barely anyone in it. And most hospitals don't even have a clinical scientific computing department. So I think it'll be revolutionary for patients. Yeah. But I think as a workforce, there's still going to be as much work, it's just going to shift what that work is yeah. into that technical sector. And part of my job actually is looking after the IT infrastructure and radiotherapy, so like our RAS systems and RMV systems and things. And I was never trained on that. Right. I was a physicist and it was like, oh, here's, write some code, write some script, look after this server farm. And I'm like, yeah, no, I'm sure. <laughs> Google this, Google that. Um, YouTubing. <laughs> yeah, I mean, absolutely. It's completely self-taught. But we now have clinical scientific computing staff coming through who are godsend thank god who know these terms and i don't have to keep googling on my phone in, in meetings what does what does this mean? Oh, yeah no i've heard of that yeah um, but yeah i think it is going to revolutionize massively what's your favorite part of the job i i think my favorite part of the job and this is going to sound really bad and i know everyone in pure is going to absolutely go off when they hear this is i really like being on the machine so qa and kind of like being down on the floor whether it's kind of things it's like... It's because you get to work closely with yeah, us. you know, raiding the cover to yeah, the suites yeah. and things. No, but I think... Do we give a better conversation? Is that what you're saying? I mean, I, I wouldn't want to go down that. <laughs> yeah. um, I just think it's really nice to be downstairs. There's patients around, there's radiographers, there's physicists. Like, so doing QA, although it's kind of quite dry, is quite nice. Yeah. Whereas like some of my other work, which is writing code and script, and just set up my computer, or, it's not worked, it's not worked. It's, yeah. You know, and... The development stuff obviously is great as well. I think as a professional radiotherapy moves very quickly, even compared to some of the medical physics specialism, so we get a lot more bits of kit, a lot more innovation that we can really drive forward with. So I think, yeah, being on the machine is probably my favorite part, but also those new, developing those new things and seeing that benefit for our patients yeah. and staff. So in terms of kind of the role of physicists, where do you see yourselves kind of changing in the future, or potentially even just you yourself? 
where do you want your career to take you? Oh, now that's a question. Um, I, I have developed quite an interest in the digital side because I was kind of expected to do it and it's developed into my job role. So personally, I think leaning into that and how that can be used um, and things like I was saying about the clinical scientific computing that not really being understood. So one of my roles at the minute is to try and develop that within my current department. So I think that's probably where I'm leading is actually saying AI is coming, cloud computing is coming. We need to develop that skill set, have leadership in that field and bring that into the radiotherapy workforce. I think that's where my career is going. Um, and I think we're going to need to see more of that within the general, because it's not just me who's working with these cloud-based systems. It's going to be you guys on the treatment floor. It's going to be your planning team. So they need that skill set as well. So I think that's where a lot of it's going. And your know, planning systems, things these days have a lot of coding and scripting. So IT skills, basically, yeah. I think is the future of our all of our workforces. So how can I ask you a controversial question? With all of this going forward, and we always get machine breakdowns and cloud things going down, yeah. IT servers not working, how is the NHS going to keep up with all this? So the NHS, I think, needs to really embrace this and needs to get on board. Um, there was the UK government uh, position statement that you should go cloud first. It has to, you have to show why you haven't gone cloud first. Um, and I think it's going to be a case of just lump it and get on with it. Um, and there are real benefits. There was um, an IT issue in Ireland recently. All of their radiotherapy centres went down. Uh, they lost Ari. They, they didn't even know who was on treatment. They had to put a like local news alert out saying, please call this number if you're having radiotherapy. Oh my um, we don't know who you are, what site, what your oncologist is. And then they, their oncologists were kind of going, I think he was a prostate and maybe there was some nose. If we'd had cloud base, we'd be more protected to that and more robust to that. So I think it, we have to embrace the challenges because we have such benefits from it. And you know, big data population studies, looking at all that kind of stuff, I think is a, a real future again of yeah. our, our thing. Um, I was working recently with NHS England on a Prono project, yeah. so looking at the dose symmetry across lots of centres and are there centres that are really leading the way and can we learn from them rather than that kind of classic postcode lottery situation. I totally get what you're saying, but I also know going into a department, there are some departments that don't even have <laughs> Windows 10. Yeah. Like, how is the NHS even going to afford to be able to I think make changes? The, to there's two areas of the NHS that they need to work on, yeah. IT and data protection. Yeah. And they're, they're not radiotherapy centers, like services, but they have such an impact. I won't say how long, but it was more than 12 months. It took me to get through data protection to have Corona in place, in my trust. Um, this was an NHS England sponsored project and I was not the first person doing it. That kind of blocker is going to make all of us go, oh, I can't bother to do that. Yeah. That needs to be dealt with and needs to be central investment in yeah. IT data protection. That skill set needs to be there. But isn't it strange how COVID allowed so much Microsoft change Teams to happen straight away, overnight, rapidly. everyone's using yeah. it. But then something else that's very niche, no. And I think it's really starting the profile of radiotherapy and saying, well, these things going quite quickly elsewhere, why isn't it happening in radiotherapy? Are you aware of radiotherapy, aware of what this can do? Yeah. That's people my opinion. People aren't aware. So we work at Radiotherapy UK. You know, we went to Parliament to talk to MPs. They didn't really care about what we were saying. To them, listening for the London boroughs, they were like, oh, well, my, my borough is under the limit, which is 20% of referral rates, but actually it's still 15%. It's still not that great. Everyone, it should be zero percent delays and stuff like that. But 
it's going to take a while for investment to just come yeah in. I think across all of our and it's quite nice actually here today I um, uh, side radiographers they're, they're all together on a stand yeah. and yeah. I think it takes a real joint of effort to say this is radiotherapy this is what we do you know 40% of cancer treatments have radiotherapy yet we're what is it 5% of the cancer budget or 7% yeah. or something like that yeah. um, it, it's really interesting somebody can say oh there's this chemo drug that costs you know 100,000 10,000 per dose yeah. yes let's do it it gives you 10% more oh radiotherapy can give you 20% more at 400 quid oh, it's yeah. It's really selling the profession, selling what we can do. Um, but I think that starts within our interests. Yeah. We had a, a recent issue where it was a, a study of lung chemotherapy, but they needed to look at some data from radiotherapy. And they almost kind of not gave up, but thought that getting the radiotherapy data would be really difficult. Somebody's going to have to go through and get it. And we, were like, we have that skill set, we can script it, we can code yeah. that, we can give you that. We weren't even selling it within our own. What we can do yeah, yeah. within our own department, even. This was a radiation oncologist who wasn't even aware of this. Never mind the trust level. Um, so I think that needs to be pushed forward. There is a scheme, I don't know if you're aware of the HST scheme with physics. Yeah. Um, they're trying to get more kind of clinical scientists at board level. And I think that needs to keep going and across the professions. You know, why have a chief nurse but not a chief clinical scientist, not a chief radiographer, not a yeah. why is one siloed against the other? Yeah. And it almost does create that competitive element, doesn't it? It's bizarre, when actually it should be collaborative, yeah. integrated. Um, recently, IPEM, just this week actually, brought out the workforce kind of plan and also talked about the fractionation statistics. So the fact that that was going to massively increase how many fractions we should be doing um, every single day, um, which just isn't achievable. What would you say in response to that, you know, for any strategic leaders out there? The interesting, of course, fractionation is a classic thing, and this came up during COVID. We were disincentivized from having short fraction treatments because yeah. of payments. Yeah. It, it just, it astounds me that still this model, when actually we can go, we can treat a breast in five rather than 15, but we'll lose money. Why is that? They just, there's no joined up thinking yeah. between those kind of things. But obviously, even if you did deal with that, there's going to be more patience. There's going to be an expanding workforce. It comes down to the classic thing of more money. We need more staff, more machines. Um, we need a better understanding of it as well. Um, there's no forward planning. There's a, we'll give you a million now, but we know in 10 years you're going to need a replacement, but we won't think about that. We won't plan for that. We'll deal with that in 10 years time. Um, even something as simple as um, we, we were looking at a system recently where we could either buy it internally and pay a lot up front uh, or we could kind of rent it. Is it Klarna. Did you do Klarna? <laughs> we could Klarna a, a, an R&B system over 10 years but as a cloud-based system, so uh, right. what they called, software as a system or service or something. Um, but that was every year and it was e I was basically told, oh, we need to get the million now because it's one financial year, then 250 every year, because that's looking in four years' time, we don't know what's going to happen in four years' time. It's like, but that's the better system. Like, I shouldn't be swayed by that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it is, unfortunately, it's one of the few things that many, but then AI, those kind of tech can create efficiencies to absorb yeah. some of that, but it's not going to absorb it all, unfortunately. Perfect. We need to get you back on, Rob, for a proper episode. <laughs> someone who walked by and said, no, I don't want to come on here. The one so. thing I can do is talk a lot. I just don't like hearing myself talk a lot. <laughs> you so. don't have to listen back Fine. to it. Just all your colleagues will listen in the office. Yeah. I'll send you... an email, I'm going to say. Oh, they'll be on the, they'll put it up. They'll put it on the wall, probably. They love it. Um, I have a great, great kind of collegiate environment. Everyone gets on really well in my department. It's quite nice. Um, 
It's Perfect. great physics. Shout out to Imperial Physics. <laughs> well, we're massive fans of all of the physicists, dosimetrists, everyone working in radiotherapy. So thank you for coming on. Thanks and for hopefully convincing. speak to you soon. Well, thanks, guys. <laughs>